It's going to be back at the other test to sit down and you want to stand up all like you do at home, right? Do you stand up at home when we're at home? Hey, I... This is amazing to be back together, isn't it? Um, I, I was right here on the edge of tears, maybe a little bit, just thinking, this is so much better than being at home, except at home I can have my coffee. But um, Of course, out here I can have my coffee too, right, Don? Yeah. All right, there we go. So, so it's all good. Oh, my. So, as we were planning for this morning, several weeks ago, we were putting the plans together, and we realized... It's going to be summertime, it's going to be June, it's going to be hot. We need to meet earlier, we need to get tarps, make sure there's shade. Aren't you glad we planned ahead so carefully? You know how to make God laugh, right? Tell God your plans. That makes God laugh. And so we were talking about these tarps a couple of weeks ago. and I don't, When you hear the word tarp, what do you think of? Ugly, green, blue. And I'm thinking... We need something really nice. So, Beth was given the responsibility to go get his tarp. Did he do good or what? I don't know how long it took you guys to put this up, but uh, wow, this is this is just amazing. So, um, I think we should I think we should convert the worship center like a skating rink and just plan to meet out here all the time. I think that'd be a great plan. But uh, we we have other plans. Uh, we have some birthdays this week that I don't want to let our service go by. We like to remind people of birthdays. Um, I need to find my notes because I don't have it all memorized. So Max on the keyboard here, his birthday Saturday. Uh, Daniel Cabrera, Yay! Saturday. Susan Clemens, birthday Saturday. Yay! And then Tim Lansing's birthday is tomorrow. Technology drives me crazy. And Tim, Tim has learned new software. Tim has bought necessary equipment. He's put it all together and made it work so we could worship from home. Um, and I just want to say thank you, Tim. Uh, he's just done a phenomenal job. Um, honestly, I woke up the other night in the middle of a horrible dream. And I dreamed I was still back in Rancho Cucamonga at the church there, having to deal with all of this and the technology. And I woke up in a cold sweat just thinking about, I'm so glad I'm here and we have Tim, because I never could have managed all that. I never could have. Uh, I pray every Sunday that the technology will work. And now I'm standing up here, so I can't even see if it's working. So you can hear me. I guess I should be uh, grateful for that. Father's Day is the annual day where we cause great guilt to descend upon dads. This is the annual Make Dad Feel Guilty Day, right? So we're not going to do that, guys. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I was on a bike ride about three weeks ago. And some of you may be familiar with the area on Huntington Drive up in Irwindale going west uh, into Doherty. And as I was riding my bike down the street, there's a big billboard on the left-hand side of the street. And there was a picture of a man and a young girl, and they were dancing. And in big letters, it says, Dance Like Dad. 
And I thought, you know, that's kind of cool for Father's Day, kind of celebrating Father's Day, dance with your kids. And as I was continuing to ride by, I saw small letters in the lower right-hand corner, and I had to stop and go back up, and I read these words, fatherhood.gov. When did we need our government to teach men how to be fathers? When did that happen? Not, a, not in my life. You know, we need good models for fathers. And I'm grateful in my life for my father, my grandfathers, other men who modeled what it meant to be a dad. We need good models. And I'm not looking to the government to help teach me to be a good dad. How about you? Not happening. Not happening. Uh, they screw up everything else. <laughs> Why would you expect that to work? And I think of fatherhood, and, and I think of the quality that I, I want to cultivate and make sure is true in my life. A quality that I value in friends and family and others alike is a quality of faithfulness. Someone who can be depended on and counted on no matter what. Someone who lives a life that's consistently faithful. Someone who speaks the truth is honest and has integrity. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of person that I want to surround myself with. How about you? And I look back over my life and I realize I've been disappointed a lot. There's been lots of people that have disappointed me. And I suspect, if I were honest, I've disappointed people too. It happens. I've been interested in sports all of my life. I've always kind of considered myself an athlete of one level or another. But one of my sports heroes, one of my favorite baseball players, sadly never played for the Dodgers. He played for one of the Dodgers' arch rivals. He was one of the best hitters that has ever lived. Consistently hits, hits, hits. And yet today, Pete Rose is denied entrance into the Hall of Fame. He has been banned from baseball for life. In spite of an amazing baseball career, when he was the manager of the Cincinnati Reds, he was found to be guilty of gambling on his team. And he lied about it for years. And most people despise Pete Rose, not so much for gambling, but because of what? He lied for all those years. Another one of my heroes won the Tour de France bicycle race seven times. Seven times. More than anybody else in history. An American won the Tour de France seven times. And yet Lance Armstrong was discovered to be doping. Yes, everybody else was doing it. But still, he was discovered to be doping, to be cheating. He lied about it for years. Those seven years of victory in the Tour de France have been erased from the books. And he's been banned from cycling for life. Not so much really because he doped, but because why? He lied about it for years. And our history is littered with people who lack this quality of faithfulness. And so I want to suggest to you this morning that you and I have a faithful father. Yes. I'm so glad for that. And it's our faithful father that ultimately becomes the ideal model and example for us as dads. And even beyond that, for moms, uh, young people, 
Whoever you are, we ought to be people cultivating faithfulness like our faithful God. And so I want you to come this morning with me to the 89th Psalm. This is a psalm that speaks to us of the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father. It's a psalm that captures in a very special way God's faithfulness. It begins with a commitment on the part of the psalmist to praise God's faithfulness. He calls on the godly ones of the heavens and all of creation to praise God's faithfulness. He then points to his promises to King David, his promises of his covenant to David, as kind of the example, the illustration of his faithfulness. He moves on at the end of this psalm where the psalmist cries out and says, but God, there's two big buts in this passage in this psalm that draw your attention quickly. But toward the end, there's a big but. And he says, but God, you've abandoned us. You've forsaken us. We've become a reproach. We've experienced shame. And so I want to read the first eight verses as we think about the faithfulness of our God. I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations, I will make known your faithfulness with my mouth. For I have said loving kindness will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. I've made a covenant with my chosen. I've sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your seed forever. And build up your throne to all generations. The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord. Your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies is comparable to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty is like the Lord? A God greatly feared in the council of the holy ones. And awesome above all those who are around him. Amen, right? O Lord God of hosts, who is like you? O mighty Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. And there's five things that impress me in this psalm as it reflects on the faithfulness of God. And I want you to notice uh, these things with me. The first thing that impresses me is this, that God's faithfulness created an enthusiasm on the part of the psalmist to praise God. He says, I will sing of your mercies. I will make known with my mouth your what? Faithfulness. Some of us that are old enough remember that little chorus back in the 70s, I think, maybe in the late 60s, that was based on the King James Version. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I'll make known your faithfulness. That comes right out of this passage. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the word faithfulness. But I think of somebody who keeps his promises, someone who does what he says, Someone I can depend on, someone I can count on, someone who's reliable, faithful, consistent. That's our God. He's a faithful God. And so the psalmist says, I'm going to sing of your loving kindness. I'm going to make known with my mouth, literally out loud, shouting out loud, making known your faithfulness. God's faithfulness impressed the psalmist in such a way that he was committed to acknowledging and praising God for his faithfulness. And so on the one hand, I think, when was the last time you or I, in whatever context, in a public setting with others around us that could hear us speak, lifted up and honored and exalted God's faithfulness? That needs to be something that frequently happens in my life and in your life. 
that we honor God's faithfulness. That word sing there in that first verse, to sing of his loving kindness, that word would have been used of someone like a strolling minstrel who is strolling along, singing for others, singing at the top of his lungs, honoring God for who he is, lovingly kind and faithful. We need to be doing that. And I think also as we think of Father's Day, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing, dads, to hear our children talking to other people about us and describing us in terms of being faithful, reliable, dependable, trustworthy? Am I living that kind of a life that my children can speak of me the way that I ought to be speaking about the Lord? God's faithfulness should stimulate my praise and worship of Him. The second thing that impresses me here is that God's faithfulness is uniquely and specially related to His loving kindness. In my translation, I have the word loving kindness. If you have a King James translation, it'll have the word mercies. If you have probably the NIV, it probably says something like steadfast love. The idea of that word, loving kindness or mercy, steadfast love, is all rooted in God's grace, God's favor. He is a lovingly kind God. And his loving kindness is attached to his faithfulness. Because God loves you, he's faithful. Because God is merciful and kind and gracious, he's faithful to you. I'm grateful that God's a lovingly kind God. Grateful for his faithfulness. And I think to myself, is that the kind of father I am? Is that the kind of person I am as a Christ follower? Am I a person who, because I love my children, I love my wife, I love others, that my life is marked by faithfulness? That ought to be true of us as dads. That ought to be true of all of us as Christ followers, right? Loving kindness, faithfulness travel together so often in the scriptures. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2 says, It's good to praise the Lord, to make music to your name, O Most High. To proclaim your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness at night. They travel together. In Lamentations 3, that great passage, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is what? Thy faithfulness. Love, mercy, grace travels with faithfulness. Hopefully that's true in my life and in your life. The third thing that I love in this passage is that God's faithfulness is settled for all time. The word forever appears nine times in these verses, emphasizing over and over again that God's faithfulness to you and to me will never change. He's faithful now. He'll be faithful tomorrow. He'll be faithful forever. That word forever is is a Hebrew word that paints a picture. And it's the word that would be true if I could see further than that house back there. But the word forever describes being able to see to the horizon and beyond. What's the vanishing point. There's a, there's a point where you can no longer, there's nothing out there to see. God's faithfulness is a forever faithfulness. Settled for all time. Never changes. Never ever. There was a movie I think back in the 70s, called Bruce Almighty. 
A classic. Should have won several Oscars, right? The story of Bruce Almighty was a guy who just was fed up with life. Everything went wrong, all these problems, all these troubles. And so he's in the movie, he's whining and complaining to God. And so God's response is, okay, you think you can do better? Have at it. And so God gives to Bruce divine powers. And now Bruce is in the role of God. And it's, can you imagine doing that, Eddie? God gives you all those powers. Oh my, yeah, it scares the snot out of me to think of that. But in the movie, he's enduring all this stuff and, you know, but one of the themes in the movie is he wants to take a vacation. Now think about that for a minute. God taking a vacation. The good news is God never takes vacations. God never takes coffee breaks. He's always there, always present, always on the job. Uh, my wife likes to talk often, and often when we pray together at night before going to bed, oftentimes she will pray, thank you for working the night shift. He's always there. His faithfulness is forever. Now, I don't know that my faithfulness is at that level, but that's what I ought to aspire to, right? Consistency. To be that kind of dad, that kind of a man, that kind of a Christ follower. And that's the challenge in this passage because we have a faithful father and he models for us the kind of fathers and mothers and Christ followers we ought to be forever. That marks God's faithfulness. And then I notice in verse 8, it says that God's faithfulness surrounds him. And I've thought about this a lot. And I don't know I've really captured what the psalmist is trying to say. But in my mind, what I envision is God's environment. In, you, know, if you, you know, God doesn't have a physical body, right? We're all on that page. Um, God's spirit doesn't have a physical body. But to, to see this picture of him being surrounded, the atmosphere around him, what, where he dwells, where, where, where he, he's surrounded by faithfulness. That's what he's all about. He's a faithful, faithful God. There's faithfulness before, faithfulness behind, faithfulness above, faithfulness below, to the right. To, God is surrounded by faithfulness. That's the environment that I think God wants us to create in each of our lives. To be men and women, boys and girls, young people, whose lives are just surrounded. Faithfulness is part of who we are. People have that expectation that we're faithful. I think of all the qualities, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, but of all the qualities that I look for, admire, and want in a friend is someone who's faithful. Someone that I can totally depend on, have no anxiety about things I share with them or going to go elsewhere. Um, I can totally depend and trust on that person. I don't know about you, but I haven't found too many people like that. When I was on the pastoral staff at our church in Long Beach back in the 70s, a previous lifetime, one of our other pastors was my good friend Joe Price. And Joe and I would often sit in his office usually, and we would talk and have conversation and pray together. And it was in that context with Joe that I would often find myself sharing with him things that were very personal, 
uh, things that I found really frustrating in my life experience and the role I had as a pastor or whatever. And Joe would often respond in our conversations with this phrase, I'll take it to the grave. I'll take it to the grave. And in the 40 to 45 years since those days in Long Beach, um, Joe's still taking it to the grave. And I have other friends that I value, that I spend time with, I enjoy conversation, activity with, but I would never share with them the things I shared with Joe because I couldn't count on them to take it to the grave. We have a God that is faithful beyond question, without limit. The environment he dwells in, he's surrounded by faithfulness. And I'm grateful for that. I want that to be true in in my life. Moses said this in Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to thousands of generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. We have a faithful father. The fifth thing that I notice here, the last of these five things, is that God's faithfulness will never ever fail. If you run your eyeballs over to verse 30 beyond where I had read earlier, God is speaking and he's speaking about his promises and his covenant with King David. His promise to David was that his throne would be established forever. And he says in beginning in verse 30, if his, if David's sons forsake my law, don't walk in my statutes, they violate my, my judgments, they violate my statutes, they don't keep my commandments, I will punish their transgression, their iniquity, but, there's the other big but, I will not break off my loving kindness from him, nor deal falsely in my faithfulness. You know, it's a wonderful thing to know that when you and I prove faithless, God always remains what? Faithful. When we fail, when we fall short, when we prove faithless, God is still faithful. He's always faithful. And and the psalmist goes on, in fact, if you jump over to verse 38, where the second big but is, he's been talking about God's covenant to David, got his promises to David, he's going to be faithful, establish his throne forever. And then he says, but, in verse 38, you've cast off. You've rejected. You've been full of wrath. You've spurned the covenant. You've profaned his crown. You've broken down his walls. Um, He says in verse 41, uh, we've become a reproach to our neighbors. You've exalted the right hand of our adversaries. In verse 45, he says, you've covered us with shame. Verse 46, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? Has there ever been a time in your life when you thought God had abandoned you? Has there ever been a time in your life when you thought God had kind of stepped off and just you were kind of on your own? I've been there more than once. Where'd you go, God? This isn't the way it was supposed to be. This isn't isn't the experience I was counting on. What happened? Where'd you go? Come on, someone tell me you've experienced that. You know, that's why that little story footprints is so popular. Because the story Footprints captures the essence of what so many of us have experienced. The man walking on the beast with the Lord and there's two sets of footprints. And then there's only one set of footprints and that's the most difficult time in his life. The darkest nights, the hardest days. There's only one set of footprints. And in that story, 
that man responds and says what? Where'd you go? Why'd you abandon me? Don't you love the way the woman who wrote that story captures the heart of God? My precious, precious child, I would never leave you. When you only saw one footprint in the sand, it was then that I did what? Carried you. You see, we have a a faithful God. Without fail, without exception. And perhaps even more so in the times when we doubt and think he's abandoned us, we think he's gone. He's still there. Someone has well said that the teacher is always silent during a test. And so think of yourself in a classroom with a teacher who's silent while you're taking a test, and maybe that becomes a metaphor, a picture of God. He's faithfully there. We don't see him. We don't hear him. We doubt that he's there. But without fail, we have a faithful father, don't we? And we ought to be thankful and, and give him thanks and praise. And so I think... Like the psalmist, I too um, greatly benefit from God's faithfulness. Every promise that God has ever made in the pages of this book is dependent on his what? Faithfulness. Every promise that God has ever made depends on him being a faithful, faithful God. And I don't know what promises come to your mind. I love this promise. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Because God's faithful, that's always going to be true. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Glad I have a faithful God. The Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. Maybe you could think of some specific benefits that you derive from God's faithfulness. Anything occur to you? First John 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says this, I was so glad I found this verse. This just this hasn't been on my radar. This is an amazing verse. Second Thessalonians three three. The Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from the evil one. Keep you from the evil one. You and I have an adversary who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he whom he may devour. And God's promise based on his faithfulness is what? I'll keep you from the evil one. In our, in our country today and beyond our country, in our country today, in more than 22 cities, groups known as Luciferians are gathering in at least 22 cities or more today. They're gathering at city halls, city centers, and beseeching the Lord that they worship, Lucifer, Satan, to establish a one world government. A one world kingdom. This is not just, you know, fantasy stuff. This is real world stuff in the world in which you and I live. We have an enemy, but we have a faithful father. And his promise is, I'll keep you from the evil one. Our prayers are dependent on God's faithfulness. Psalm 143, 1 says this. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness, answer me. Another verse that comes to mind as I think about God's faithfulness is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 
where Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's dozens, if not hundreds, of verses like that. All based on God's faithfulness. You and I have a faithful Father. And our faithful Father models for you and me faithfulness. So that we can be faithful dads, faithful moms, faithful brothers and sisters, faithful followers of Jesus. Like the psalmist, I too should be praising and declaring his faithfulness. One of the old hymns says, count your many blessings, count them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. We need to be men and women who, without embarrassment, without any touch of shame or embarrassment, be able to declare to other people, whether they're fellow Christians or not, that you and I have a faithful father. And we need to be able to share with people specific illustrations. This is what God did. He was faithful. He fulfilled his promise. He promised that he would supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And he has. I remember back in the 90s, probably was the toughest 10 years of life for my family. Uh, really lean time in our lives. Uh, Sometimes we weren't sure we could pay all our bills. Um, and my wife kept a record of things that God did for us. Money that came in the mail unexpected. Food that appeared on the front porch. Um, and she kept all this stuff written down. I didn't know it. She'd been doing this for several years in the 90s. I didn't know she was keeping a journal and keeping a record of all this stuff. And I remember sometime several years later... I don't know, I was probably whining or complaining or something. And she pulled out her journal and started reading to me all the things the Lord had done. And it's like, really? I don't remember that. What did it? Are you sure? But because we'd written it down, we had a journal. And we could declare, this is what God did. He provided. His promise to provide. God is faithful. Like the psalmist, I need to emulate his faithfulness. I'm going to go through this really quickly because I know time's getting away, but... Proverbs 25 tells us that faithful people are a joy to know and to be around. Uh, Proverbs 25:13 says, Like the coolness of snow at harvest time is a trustworthy, faithful messenger to those who send him. Faithful people are hard to find, according to Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Psalm 12 says, Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful have vanished from among men. You ever felt that way? The faithful have vanished. You know, years ago, decades back, um, followers of Christ, the church, were known as the faithful. The faithful are gathering. I'm part of the faithful. Tough time. Faithful people are critical to God's kingdom. First Corinthians 4.2 says it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. 
Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The kingdom of God depends on faithful people. Our church depends on faithful people, right? We need faithful people. And whether those faithful people are in places of high visibility in their service roles or whether they're kind of hidden off somewhere. We have people that are faithful week by week by week that no one knows about, no one sees, no one knows. Our church depends on faithful people. Our church depends on faithful people who depend on a faithful God as we bring our tithes and offerings, right? And God has been so faithful during this time of this stupid pandemic thing. Gee, who would have thought that we could go, how many Sundays, 13 Sundays without being together, and yet our offerings would be not only as good as before, but maybe, I don't know, can I even say sometimes a little better? So we're going to send you all home and just send those checks in. It's all good. (laughs) But, you know, we depend on faithful people. And so... Just speaking for myself, I'm grateful to be part of a family that's faithful. Faithful to serve the Lord. Faithful to support our church. Um, Just faithful in so many ways. We need faithful people. God's kingdom depends on faithful people. So, quick. How do you learn to be more faithful? Do the small things. Do them well. Luke 16.10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. I remember when I was 18, 19 years old, sophomore at Biola, I probably had a Christian service assignment which thrust me into teaching in the junior high Sunday school class. I mean, who in their right mind teaches junior hires, right? Um, But I was teaching junior hires at the age of 18, 19 that, that year at Biola. And at the end of that year, the guy who'd been in charge of the junior high ministry was directing junior high ministry. Uh, John Salehammer left to go to Dallas Seminary to study. And so the pastors needed someone to slip into that role to lead the junior high ministry. I was there every Sunday teaching junior high boys, and they asked me to step into that role. And that was the launching pad, really, for me, being at the right place at the right time, just, I hope, being faithful. God works that way in our lives. Be faithful in what's little. And God gives us a little more, a little more. Now, that's the scary part. Sometimes he keeps giving us a little more. (laughs) But be faithful in little stuff. Don't be afraid of little stuff. Um, Be free in proclaiming and living out God's faithful character. You know, proclaim his loving kindness in the morning, his faithfulness at night. Psalm 92. Uh, Pray expecting his faithful response. Lord, the 143rd Psalm. Lord, give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness, answer me. Here's an interesting one. Refuse to be a gossip or a talebearer. Proverbs 11:13. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit does what? Guess. Conceals the matter. Takes it to the grave. Determine or refuse to be a gossip. Determine to always speak the truth. Proverbs 13:17. A wicked messenger falls into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. Don't give in to self-promotion. Proverbs 26. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. 
This one is one I have a hard time with. Tell your friend the truth, even if it hurts him. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Here's an interesting one. Don't be in a hurry to get rich. Proverbs 28, 20, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. And then the ninth one, Handle money carefully. Luke 16, 11. If therefore you have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will commit their trust to you, to your trust, true riches? So you and I have a faithful father. He models for us what a faithful father looks like. He models for us really, again, beyond just dads and Father's Day, what faithful followers of Jesus look like. We have a faithful father. I'm grateful for that. So are you thankful today for God's faithfulness? Have you told him recently? You ought to tell him right now. Thank you, God, for being faithful. Thankful for keeping, thank you for keeping your promises. Thank you for honoring your truth. On a scale of 1 to 10, how faithful are you? Do you mean what you say? Say what you mean. We all have room to improve and grow, right? Now, if you're like me, you're probably a nine, but, you know, there's still room to improve. So out of all this stuff that I've thrown at you in the last 40 minutes, plus or minus, is there something that's going on in your heart and mind that God is stimulating? What can you do? What one thing could you do this week, this month to grow as a faithful dad, faithful mom, faithful follower of Jesus? Is there something the Holy Spirit just kind of talk to him about that? See what he wants you to do. As my friend Neil Cole likes to say, listen to the Lord and do what he says. That's kind of simple. Listen to the Lord and do what he says. So dads, let's recommit ourselves to being faithful dads, faithful husbands. We celebrate that great 50th anniversary in in a couple's lives. We do this often. Thankfully, we do it often. My friends Don and Joyce celebrated their 50th last September. Um, One of my high school classmates, Nancy, just celebrated her 50th anniversary a couple weeks ago. Uh, I have several friends, actually, this year go back to getting married in 1970. Andrea and I are one of them. We're going to celebrate our 50th in three weeks. Something like that. Those are huge milestones in a couple's life. Who was it? We just celebrated 57 years. Gene and Mary? 57 years? Wow. That stuff is worth celebrating. When a couple has been faithful for 50 years. Doesn't it make sense to celebrate God's faithfulness when he's been faithful like for ever? Let's do that together. Lord, we just want to lift our heads, our hearts, our hands, and celebrate that you are a faithful God. You keep your promises. That every promise in this book is undergirded by your faithfulness. If you were not a faithful God, those promises would be worthless. Not worth the paper they're printed on. And so we worship you this morning. We celebrate that you are a faithful God faithful God. And Lord, I pray that you would speak into each of our hearts, into each of our lives. 
prompting and prodding us to be more faithful, to be more like you. As men and women who are people of integrity, honesty, keeping promises, keeping our word, doing what we say, say what we do. Lord, we want to be a little bit more like you, a little more faithful. And so we worship you this morning. We exalt you as a faithful, faithful father. And we give you thanks together in the name of your holy and mighty and soon coming King Jesus. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Roy, for that wonderful message. Bow your heads with me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful challenge today from your word concerning the topic of faithfulness. It was certainly so good sitting here listening to one passage after another concerning your faithfulness toward us. It's amazing to think, Lord God, that you remain faithful especially when we are unfaithful. 
because you remain true to your word and the promises that you made toward us. Thank you so much for that. We pray your blessings on our lives, Lord God, as we prepare to leave this place. May you help us. May you challenge us to be more faithful to you. Help us point out those things that you believe we should be doing with our time and with our lives. Do we need to pray a little bit more? Do we need to study your word or read your Bible or read the Bible a little bit more? Um, maybe say some nice things toward one another, etc. Help us to, to, to be sensitive, Lord God, to these things and many things, Lord God, as the days continue. Father, we love you so much. We praise you. Be with us as we go our separate ways. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you all the glory and the honor. And God's people say, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Now don't go because we do have gifts for the men. For the men, let me see your hands. For the fathers in the house, we do have some things that we want to give out to you. Um, Also, I'm thinking of... Um, also, you should know that this coming Wednesday, we do have Bible study here on campus, um, family studies in our rooms. Um, we will have them this Wednesday, right, Tim? Right, Ron? The adults. Adults will be meeting this Wednesday. Class? 6.30. 6.30. Hear that? 6.30. Not 7. 6.30. Amen? Uh, men, you can make your way up. Um, Kyle, how are we going to do this? They're going to go back there as they leave. You're going to give it to them or... Back there? Okay, so as you make your way that way, see Kyle. God bless you guys.